Hello, bonsoir and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening is Jeremy Smith. Europe came back with somewhat of a bang and Liga continues to roll on. But the real question from this weekend is, will anyone subject themselves to Jose Mourinho in the future in France? All of that and more after the latest headlines. On Friday night, Nîmes made it seven points out of their last nine available um, as they won 2-0 over struggling Dijon, while Lyon prepared for their clash with Barcelona with a 2-1 win over bottom side Gangon. On Saturday, Marseille rose into fourth after a 2-0 victory over Amiens, with Mario Balotelli netting his second goal in three appearances for Lohan since his win to move. Elsewhere, Angers uh, made it three wins in a row as they brought Nice back down to earth with a solid 3-0 win, while Monaco continued to ride on Gelson Martin's coattails as his goal helped them beat Nantes 1-0. On Sunday, Josh Madger made his debut for Bordeaux while he didn't score. His new club did win 2-1 over Toulouse, while both Caen Strasbourg and Lille Montpellier ended in goalless draws. Ras are up to seventh and are still upsetting the odds as they won 2-0 over Rennes. The Breton side still recovering from their European hangover, while the Champagne club remain unbeaten in Liga since the 5th of December. In the weekend's final match, Paris Saint-Germain's superb display in the Champions League was followed up with a 1-0 win away to Saint-Étienne. Kylian Mbappé's lovely first-time volley sealed the win as they extend their lead to 12 points with two games in hand. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week looking backwards and a little bit forwards, really, on all the European action that has come our way this weekend since we didn't have our show on Thursday. We will start with Paris Saint-Germain's big win at Old Trafford on Tuesday night, Jez. I mean, we spoke last week about how we all sort of anticipated Manchester United maybe putting up a little bit more of a fight or and the PSG injuries and, and selection difficulties maybe making it harder than we thought but in all honesty especially in the second half of Paris Saint-Germain it was a lot easier than we may have have predicted. Yeah I think uh, first 10 minutes or so I thought PSG looked very shaky. Um, Kim Pembe probably most of all and although he he scored the opening goal I'm not sure he entirely recovered the rest of the match to be honest. Um, Di Maria also looked to the first 10 minutes or so, the whole team really settled. Um, it wasn't a vintage performance, obviously, by Man United either. So, um, you know, I'm not, PSG didn't really need to be close to their best, but they put in an excellent performance. And when you consider that, I think, um, I think I read that it's the first time Man United have ever lost a, a home European tie by more than one goal. Um, that, that kind of says a lot about the quality of performance from PSG. And yeah, basically pretty much all the way through the team. And Buffon actually had very, very little to do really. A couple of, I mean, he smothered a very good early cross from Pogba and was quite sharp with a Rashford shot. Um, it was near post early on. But apart from that, I can't really think of a single save that he had to make. Um, PSG were, were pretty much dominant and certainly as Di Maria found his footing. Um, they, it was, it was quite comfortable for them, and, and the standout players for me were, were Marquinhos and Verratti in the middle, who were just, I thought, outstanding. Um, Verratti, we know that he can be a, a brilliant midfielder and can control matches. Obviously, the, the main sort of concern for him was how long he'd last and whether he, he sort of reach real match fitness after um, a couple of weeks out through injury. Um, but he was really at his best, and Although he's he's very willing, I'm not always convinced about his defending, but I thought he defended superbly as well. And Marquinhos has um, he looks well on the way to well, I was going to say to proving everyone wrong. I mean, Tuchel clearly still wanted to bring in another midfielder or two in January, so it's not like he was he was saying I don't need him because of Marquinhos. But having failed to bring in those midfielders, Marquinhos looked like a world class defensive midfielder in that match, even though it's not his 
first or preferred position. So, yeah, all in all, especially considering that obviously Cavani and, and Neymar weren't there, it was, it was a fantastic performance. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to leave my biases out of this, really, but I'm, I'm sure many other fans would point out that the two injuries sort of stilted Manchester United and the, the referee performance wasn't he left himself a big hole to be in, I think, more than anything yeah. of, of doing early yellow cards more than anything. I, I don't I don't agree that necessarily Kimpembe should have been sent off. And I I, I Pogba really should have got that second book in. It's 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 a weird habit he had. Um he did similar to early this season on Son, where it's more he's try he's not intentionally trying to hurt anyone, it's more of he's trying to protect the ball. Um but it seems it's such a weird motion that it tends to catch players. But in, in I want to sort of expand on your point, Jez, where I, I agree with you. I think the man of the match was Marquinhos and not to toot my own horn, but I did <laughs> did mention in the show beforehand that I thought um, the best way Paris Saint-Germain had of, of controlling the midfield was stopping Pogba and I, I think Marquinhos did that and more which was really impressive I, I thought he, he, he marshalled him excellently I thought he was good off the ball as well when needed to he was, it was good at, at, at being a normal midfielder not just a defensive midfielder and, and playing it out of defence well and then as they got stronger in the game as Di Maria came more into it in the second half especially they, they just looked a little bit stronger and like I, I mentioned sort of in the intro to the question I, I think we maybe underestimated Paris Saint-Germain and even the fact that um, Neymar and Cavani were out I, I thought Di Maria is not a bad replacement and showed exactly why he's had a, a really good season so was Draxler and like you say we, we were all a little bit worried about how Verratti would be but um, he was clearly fully fit really and, and raring to go and Thiago Silva was excellent I think I think Kempembe was a little bit nervy and maybe a little bit um, lucky on occasions that he didn't um, concede any more chances more than anything is maybe the best way to put it but uh, no uh, in the especially in the second half I thought Paris Saint-Germain were by far the tide and the positive for them now heading into a couple more oh, it's, it's, it's strange that it feels like it's almost about two or three weeks away isn't it until it's sort of March time when they meet Manchester United next and in all essence, with Pogba suspended as well, two away goals, it's hard to see a way back. Although Paris Saint-Germain many point out that they have had big leads with big away go big leads go away previously. This feels like, especially with the away goal stinge to it, it seems insurmountable. Yeah, it's there's this whole sort of myth of, of PSG being bottlers that has kind of. Um, sort of arisen and I mean that you know there were a couple of those matches against Chelsea where maybe they should have done better and there was after finally beating Chelsea then they they kind of went out with a window against Man City but there's only been that one really bad bottle job and it was a horrific bottle job the one against Barcelona the 6-1 although the referee had a had a just a disgraceful game um I, I think if they were to lose this one, I, I genuinely think that would be a bigger uh, bottle job than, than, than losing that Barcelona match. That was still Barcelona at the new camp with Messi, with Neymar, with Suarez, um, from memory, I think Suarez is, uh, yeah, of course it is, um, with the referee. This what you know, this Man United team, with all due respect, is not the same as that Barcelona team. PSG will be at home, as you said. Pogba's missing now as well. I, this is that was as as good a result. You know, I, I think most of us were saying um, that that PSG would have been happy leaving with a, a narrow defeat. Um, from what I remember, I, I can't remember your prediction. I remember I predicted a two-one defeat, and Adam predicted a three-one defeat. Mm. So. Leaving Old Trafford with a 2-0 win and arguably your position's best player suspended is, yeah, it really is a, a sort of a dream come true. And I, I just can't, I can't see PSG throwing it away. I think if United get an early goal, PSG will certainly get nervy, but I can't see them not scoring. Um, they've got those, those two away goals. It would be horrific if somehow they, they, they got knocked out. Yeah, I, I think I went for 2-2, I think, in the end, in the, in the, predictions i think i went a bit more i definitely went for a draw i can't remember exactly what scoreline i went for but yeah sans pogba sans possibly marshall and, and uh, lingard as well depending on their recoveries that have been pretty crucial to the way 
that Manchester United have sort of counter-attacked teams this season, which is exactly the way they'll probably play at the part de Prince, despite being down. It, it, it's hard to see a way back really for them. But uh, I think um, yeah. just just to go back go on those points, I mean, first of all, the referee, I'll, I'll, to be completely honest, I thought the only uh, mistake he made was not sending Ashley Young off at the end of the first half mm. for that, that barge on, on Di Maria. Mm. Um it was weird because I wouldn't have said it was a dirty match, but I actually did think that pretty much every booking was a was a reasonable call. Um, there was just a little bit of silly niggling going on, but um, I, I I don't think the referee got too much wrong to be honest. And then on Lingard yeah. and Martial, I just I, I thought definitely. I mean, obviously, United are hamstrung by by a couple of starters going off around half time. It's not ideal for them. But they they showed so little before that anyway mm. that you know you could have seen the match drifting off to maybe a a nil nil the way it was going um, and you know if anything with Sanchez and, and Mata coming on although they're very different kinds of players they actually should have given given Man United a little bit more control so it means that they can't sort of play quick counter attacking football but two accomplished players like that should be able to hold into the ball but I think. And certainly until PSG had the 2 0 lead, United barely saw the ball in the second half. Mm, yeah. I- yeah, I think it's a fair point to make. Uh, Sanchez is a bit of a busted flush, not honestly. Yeah, yeah, as I was saying that, I was thinking yeah. maybe it's a bit of an insult to Matt <laughs> to, to lump Sanchez in with him at the moment. Yeah, yeah, maybe a switch to something like they did tonight, where they played a four-one-two-one-two in the the FA Cup game. Maybe changing the formation a little bit might, may have been a a better idea with those two players having to come off. But I, I don't think, from my point of view, I don't think the ref had a, a poor game in the sense that he gives Silla bookings. It was more shall we say a very European way of refereeing a, a game of he, he maybe gave a couple of bookings early on where you could argue they're bookings, but in the first 10, 15 minutes, it sets a sort of tone and a, and a hole that the referee sort of has to dig himself out. Well, not really dig himself out with, but the, the sense when, when the fouls start to stack up, then it, it all of a sudden puts him in a bit of a situation where he feels like, well, I, I, I'm, this is a second booking. I'm going to have to send the player off. He maybe, maybe needs to be a little bit more, more lax, but we shouldn't focus on referees anyway, but PSG were by far the better team and another side who hoped to be by far the better team, and they have been in the big games at least this season, is Leon. Um, they played gang up at the weekend and it was a, a sneaky 2-1 win. They, they had a couple of nervy moments. They had a lot of chances where they should have done better. Fekir scored a, a lovely goal as well, but it's kind of weird to say, Jez, that it's not really the preparation we're looking at for Leon because so far this season, it's actually been the game, big games themselves that they've turned out for. The games against the sides they should be beating, where it's been a bit nervy and sometimes they've come out on the wrong side of things. So really, this game against Barcelona coming up should be right in their ballpark, shouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> this Lyon team, the preparation's almost irrelevant. And you know, if, if you are going to look for relevance in it, possibly it's the ideal Lyon-style build-up. You know, uh, dominant but disappointing defeat to, to, to Nice and a, a very sketchy win at home to, to the bottom team. Um, it, it ensures, I mean, the, the one other thing that I, I, I was going to maybe say about PSG was almost that, that Neymar and Cavani injuries may have been a blessing in disguise because you could have imagined PSG going into the match a little bit too cocky and that maybe, you know, some people saying they're going into it as underdogs, it, it maybe suited them. And I think possibly you could say the same thing about Lyon. Um, you know, we've seen it time and again that when they're expected to win, they disappoint, and when when you don't really give them a chance, they impress. So, um, you know, hopefully that's the kind of thing we'll see tomorrow. Um, and it, you know, it's not even just that they're playing Barcelona. You've got Fekir out, and although I don't, I still don't think he's had the greatest of seasons. He he's another one who really does turn up in the big matches, and um, there's still slight doubts about Danaya and and, and Dombele. Um, I mean, Denier played the other day that, that limped off, and I think they both trained tonight. But um, you have to be I'm sure everyone's going to be slightly concerned, even if Ndombele starts, whether he's able to last 90 minutes. So even the the build-up hasn't exactly been ideal for Lyon, but on their day, they are they are a, a, a tough prospect for anyone, as they proved in the previous few times, but certainly in two matches against against City. Um, and 
really don't they really don't have anything to lose. I know Olas was giving an interview yesterday saying, you know, his ambition really is for, for Lyon men to match Lyon's women and win the Champions League. Um, you know, having drawn Barcelona, albeit not not a vintage Barcelona, I don't think there's many people who give Lyon much of a hope. So hopefully that will work to their advantage because they can do what they did against City and just attack their opponents without fear. Yeah, I think that's a it's an interesting point because especially when you look at Barcelona's most recent results. I mean, looking back at their last four games over the course of February so far, they drew two two at Valencia, and that was. A little bit lucky. Valencia had their opportunities there. They drew 1-1 in the first round of the Copa del Rey. They drew 0-0 away to Athletic Bilbao, who haven't been the force that they have been recently. And they only won 1-0 at the weekend against Valladolid, who are struggling as well. They've got a, a tough game at the weekend away to Sevilla as well that they have to concentrate on because other teams are starting to... Well, still a little bit of a distance in La Liga, but they're not completely clear, really, especially with teams like Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid breathing down your neck. But Absolutely, it's not a vintage Barcelona side they're facing. It's a team that's not really quite... I suppose any time a team with Lionel Messi always has a more than a puncher's chance, but they're not quite clicking the same way they, they are. They're still looking at adding players in the summer, they're, they're, especially in the defence, but they've had Samuel and Titi back, which would be nice for, for both him and uh, Barcelona, really. He'll be delighted to be facing Leon and, and heading back home and, and tasting some of that atmosphere, which would be great to see but I don't know I I think more than any other time in the last sort of four five six years really this is a time maybe to face Barcelona and at home we've seen Leon at home against Manchester City at home against Paris Saint-Germain and put in excellent performances and like you say Jez this is these bigger teams aren't used to being attacked so going for it and believing in the 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 flair that they've got they've got players like Fakir uh, who's can be excellent on his on his day, superb midfielders. You've got a player like Depay who thinks he should be at this level, so here's a chance to go and prove himself really more than anything. Maybe put himself in the shop window for the <laughs> for the for the Catalan side, although it might be a little bit far fetched, but he might as well treat it like that really because this is a real chance for them to to put down a statement and you know because especially with the, the things that will go through their mind. They've got Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey between now. They've got Real Madrid in the El Clasico in the league as well, away from home between now and the second leg as well. So there's plenty of thinking time sh- and for them to dwell on that loss in between now and if they, when they face themselves in the second leg. So I don't, I don't know what you think, Jess, and I'll get your prediction in a minute, really, but I don't know what you think, but it's a really good opportunity, really, in a sense, for Ligon. Yeah, I... I uh, <laughs> last... People last year said that, that it was the weakest Barcelona team for years. And they still won the league from memory at a canter and I think with very, very few defeats. Or I think maybe they broke their own record for for matches without defeat. I can't remember exactly, but you know, it was it's a very different Barcelona to, to the Barcelona of, of Guardiola and even Luis Enrique in that, that they don't steal the ball away they don't have the same kind of control and absolute dominance that those teams had um i saw i think i saw a crazy stat at the weekend that uh, against Valladolid, i think they had 20 shots something like that 12 of them were from messi and the eight of them were from messi assists um and that's kind of the thing i mean you look at you know certainly the, the team that they fielded against Valladolid and maybe they were resting players but it's not the kind of team that would put the fear of God into you except for Messi um, and and you mentioned players like Depay being put in, the, in or putting themselves in the shop window there's also um, you know players like Aoua who, who when you watch him play at his best it's not an exaggeration to say that he could have seamlessly fit into that great Barcelona team so, you know, this really is, a, in a way, a good audition for him. And then possibly the most interesting is, is Ferlon Mendy, who really has improved um, this this season, I think. <laughs> I think he's always been great offensively, but I think he's he's tightened up defensively as well. And, you know, in theory, with Messi kind of starting on on, on, the, on the right wing, um, Messi against Mendy could be a, a, a really interesting duel and, and, you know, possibly... Um, 
the, the tie could turn on, on how that little matchup goes. Um, but yeah, certainly is, this is not the scariest Barcelona team that, that, or even that Leon probably would ever have faced. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I have a sneaky feeling this does remind me of the City game. I don't think they will necessarily win, but I think a 1-1 draw isn't out of the possibility. That won't necessarily anger Barcelona. It'll give them a great chance in the second leg, really. But it'll give Leon that little scrap of hope if they can do something at the, the Camp Nou when they go that way. Jess, what do you think the score will be? Uh I was going to go one all as well, but I'll, I'll try to be a bit more positive. And over, overall, I think Barcelona will, will, will get through. But yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see Leon at least give them a scare and to take a lead into the into the second leg. So let's go two one Leon. Yeah, uh, it's, it's difficult to see Barcelona losing over the entire time, but uh, it'd be good to see Leon give a, a right good go of things. And moving on, really, to the Europa League last Thursday and this Thursday as well, because obviously they, they get the luxury of playing all the time in the Europa League instead. Um, uh, to be a sitter in Richard's living room, really, on Thursday night might have been a bit of a, a difficult one, and his Ren side went 2 0 ahead and then got pegged back, but went 3 1 up and then two sort of goals as they laxed in the second half and the third one especially is a, a real disappointment. It's gone from a tie where Ren must have thought at 3-1, superb, we've got a, a terrific lead to take to Spain to 3-3 and really, Betis are the, at the side looking at being the ones in, in control now. It's uh, Makes it a little bit more difficult for Stefan's men, but especially in those first 10-15 minutes, they were rampant and they were all starting to dream. Uh, yeah, it's if you're if you're if you tune into a match with six goals, you'd hope that um, at least one or two of them are cracking goals. And Franco in this match, that the goals in this match owed more to poor defending and maybe even poor refereeing than than any kind of great attacking play on either side. Um, and I think I saw, I saw a, a, a Ren a Ren fan earlier in the season. I think just before. Ren had actually qualified for the knockout stages, saying how in the matches that they'd won, they, they'd been dominated, and the matches that they lost, they generally played quite well and were unlucky to lose. Um, and despite being 2 0 up after 10 minutes, despite being 3 1 up at half time, uh, Ren, I think, could have, could have considered themselves pretty lucky if they'd got through this match with the win. Um, you look at all the stats, and everything was. I'm not even close. It was by miles in favour of Betis. I think they ended up with more than 75% possession, mm. um, more shots on target, more shots on goal. Uh, sorry, more shots off target as well. <laughs> um, Ren's second goal um, was, I mean, it was given as, as it's it's worth looking at. It's a bit of a scramble, and it was given as an own goal. But if Niang I think it was Nian, wasn't offside, then surely he was obstructing the goalkeeper. So I think they got lucky there. And with the penalty to make it 3-1, I, mean, I, I know as a Mess fan that Saar um, has a propensity for diving. And when he did when he did it at Mess, I tend to, to turn a blind eye. But I thought it was a pretty disgraceful dive. And I think even Rich's description of it in his, in his Twitter feed at the time um, Imply, extremely implied that he agreed about that. So mm. I think, you know, in a way, Ren were lucky to get the three goals. And although they'll be gutted to have, to have um, conceded the, the last minute equaliser, um, I'm not sure it was. Uh, I'm not sure justice would have been done had had Ren come away with the win. Yeah, Saar has that sort of, uh, for any English fans that haven't seen him, I think the best way to describe the fact that he kind of dives a little bit and he's also the most kicked player is his perfect example is Zahar really he's almost identical in the sort of not necessarily in the style that he does want to attack they're similar-ish players but they're both very tricky both get fouled an incredible amount really Zahar gets kicked from pillar to post in most games but does have those moments because of that that when he's trying to quote-unquote avoid things he does do these very silly dives really to exaggerate any contract and, and stuff but it the problem is it sort of half paid off for him in this one that he got that penalty but 
Ren just being Ren, isn't it, more than anything? Even when they do they get themselves in a good position, even if they are doing well. We mentioned that Kike Setien's team will give you goals and they will look to try and get goals themselves. And they just aren't a team that can shut up shop either, really, Ren, at the moment. They don't really seem to have the solidity in midfield. They don't have, really have the confidence in their centre-backs to be able to go, right, OK, we'll, we'll shut the game off now. We'll we'll take this 3-1 win to, to Spain next week and, and try and get a result there. And that's where the real difficulty comes from now because it's going to be that much harder away from home, really, for them. But they, they've upset the odds in the Europa League before, and I think it's going to be a cracking tie to watch in the second leg. And uh, I'll get your prediction on this one, really, just because I'm surprised that it wasn't on TV, really, to be fair, on English shores, given the fact that there was a, maybe a propensity for goals and two sides from big big-ish leagues at least, although a couple of other ones. I, I, I know Napoli was on TV against Zurich, which surprised me a little bit. But, but what do you think the, the score will be in the, the second leg? Do you think Ren have a chance to sneak through? Uh, the thing is, I'd say they'd have a they'd have a chance if, if the scores are kept tight and they can nick a 1-0 or 2-1. But as you said, I mean, they're both good teams going forward, but they're both... Um, they're, yeah, they both leave holes at the back. Um, they they shouldn't be scared of of uh, travelling. I th- I think uh, I'm saying a lot of these. I think I heard. I think I read. I think I I heard this weekend that that coming away from from Haas without a goal was the first time in something like 26 or 27 away matches that the Wren haven't scored, which is a, a stunning statistic if that's true from from um, you know, a team that's not you know, dominant like like a PSG. So they they shouldn't worry about the fact that you know I th- I think there's a very good chance they'll score but uh, I don't know I struggle to see them keeping a clean sheet and uh, I'll say two two all and yeah. that'll be enough for Betis. Exactly what I was thinking. I'm imagining a sort of two one result where they're thinking in the last five minutes oh we've we've sneaked through this one and then Betis go break yeah exactly yeah. and. Uh, Break Paul Rich's heart and and <laughs> and uh, see them sort of crash out because it's quite funny. The the team we're going to go on to is the team they faced at the weekend because Ren do this where they they show off a decent performance or at least a decent result and then come a cropper against someone that, in all admittance, really I don't think anyone saw how good Ras would be this season. Just they, as I've mentioned in the news, really they are sort of accumulating a few things and they've not. Lost a game in Liga since the 5th of December. Last In the summer, they lost their top goal scorer and their top assist maker. Everyone that created all the goals that got them into the division in the first place. And yet, they still can't they, they can't really be stopped at the moment. I mean, if you go a little bit further back, to the, their second loss was sort of November, 10th of November. And since then, win, draw, loss, draw, win, draw, draw draw, win, win, draw, win. And some of these results are against Marseille, Rennes, um, twice against Lyon, Nice, uh, Strasbourg, who are doing really well at the moment as well, um, drew against Marseille as well. They've been stubborn. They've been um, strong at times, but especially in that Rennes game, on the counter as well, you see it from both the goals. They know where to find the back of the net now as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a really good way to describe them. I, at the start of the season, you'd have you'd have you'd have thought that they were going to maybe struggle, but <laughs> I think a few of us were confident that, that they could well survive because, despite the departures, they built a really good sort of nucleus of of kind of battle-hardened players. Who, you know, really good goalkeeper. I've always liked Abdel Hamid and uh, just a, a good spine. You know, Ramal, who's, who's, who's experienced, um, you know, players who, who've kind of been there and done that and aren't, aren't going to win any beauty contests and probably not going to score many goals, but will, will be tough enough to beat that they'll, they'll sort of amass enough points to survive. And, you know, arguably that the first half of the season that has been sort of their, their, their modus operandi. But as you said, since, um, you know, in in recent weeks now they've got a lot more confidence and and you know possibly got the the comfort that they're they're pretty much as already as as good as safe. They've they've sort of um, I can't think of the the right phrase, but been been let off the leash and 
you know, certainly with with some of their forward players, Kafaro, I think, has been fantastic. Dingleme recently, um, Udaz, you know, he's not prolific. I think he's got six goals and he's their he's their top scorer. Which suggest, and you look at look at their um, their goals for and against, and you'd certainly still say, obviously, that that defence is their is their their main strength. But they really are cut, beginning to cut loose. And, and as you said, the two goals that they scored against Ren at the weekend were the first one was a fantastic team goal, really nice team move, um, and the second one was a, a classic counter attack, brilliant goal on the on the break, which I'm sure you like because um, Zellini was was quite involved in it, and it showed that. Just in those two goals, possibly that you know, that they are a, a bit of an underappreciated team. That they can they can be tight at the back again. Just referring back to that that Ren stat, um, if it, you know if that's right, that they're the first team to to keep a clean sheet against Ren at home in something like twenty seven matches. That you know that's all to their credit. And then yeah, scored two very different kind of goals. One that shows that they're actual you know they're actually a good footballing side, and the other one that that shows sort of what we has come to expect of their of their um, sort of attacking side, which is you know sit deep, defend well, and then hit the team on the break. And um, you know Guillaume's got to be a, a a real contender for for coach of the season at the rate he's going. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been a a, a, a couple of things because we mentioned as well during the January window, myself and Adam as well, the signings that were making of. Uh, Abdul Bamaraman from on loan from Chelsea and and Arbizaneda who have been looked at a, a couple of different clubs the cost of an international uh, the thing <laughs> at the moment really for them both is they're not straight away into the side interrupting what they've been doing at the moment I mean Zanelli came on as a substitute at the weekend Bamaraman's seen sort of limited play so far because they want to integrate them slowly and and reward those players that have done so well so far and adding those players with a little bit more flair. And you could see it in Zanelli's assist, really, for, for Udan's goal, who I'll come on to in a moment, because he he drove at them. He, he, he was an excellent sort of outlier to, to be a, a counter-attack, and he played a lovely ball for, for Udan to finish, who I think has been excellent in the last couple of months, especially. He's, he really has added something to to Raz this season because we did worry about where the goals would come from and and who would be the man to to stand up and, and replace Sebacho as he left for Ren. Um, ironically, who he's got the goal against the weekend and he scored two goals against Ren um, early this season as well. Who did it? He's really last three weeks or so. Well, I think it's last five, last four weeks. He's got three in these last four games. Um, he's really stepped up to the fore when they needed someone to grab some goals. He's been chopping up with a couple of assists as well, just from out wide. And I just think he gives them an extra little bit of, of goal scoring prowess because they, they've not got Chevario really going quite a lot. It's three goals, three assists is not too bad. Who you and Suck has, has only got two since he's moved from Trois. Uh, Dia got a goal at the weekend, but that's only his second so far in 10 games. And when you think that a couple of players are popping up with the odd couple of goals, uh, Chavalan has a couple, Dumbia has a couple, um, Cafaro has, has four as well, which is really good. You get goals from all kinds of places, but Udan especially has been that focal point and the one sticking things away and, and, and being the play that sort of ties everyone together a little bit more because we know how good the defence has been. Abdo Hamid's been been terrific. The goalkeeper especially, Edouard Mendy, we've already mentioned he was the sort of our player of the hard season and it's it's going to be pretty difficult to upset him um, uh, to be the one of the whole season really unless someone like Walter Benitez maybe comes out of the four or, or Lecomte's maybe had a little bit of a dip in the first half of 2019. It's, it's, it's hard to see anyone else passing. Bouillon Engel's even grabbed a goal now as well even though he's been an excellent defender. I think those two centre-backs have been excellent. I know uh, Adam's a fan of Conan as well at uh, the full-back as well. He's been very good. It's just been an excellent season for them so far and I don't think you could get any better really for uh, David Guion who's done a tremendous job in in not just um, th- this is the thing sometimes with a lot of teams in Liga and we've seen it with teams that have done well even in even into um, especially in the first half of the season that just we've seen a few times where teams are terrific defensively or have a great half of a season but what Rass have done have, have, have seen what they've been great at and that's defending and they've stuck to that as much as they've been able to possibly. And then now they're starting to expand on that and starting to score goals. I mean, they've scored 
and looking at the teams around them, they've only scored 23 goals, but at the same time, Nice below them, they've scored 19 goals. Uh, the, their goal difference is, just looks, is only plus one, but you just can see when they play the difference in, in their ability and their, their more belief in, in going forward and scoring goals now, and they're building on something. And uh, I think Europe might be completely out of the way, but the fact that they've got 38 points in this stage of the season, I mean, I don't think anyone would have looked into their crystal ball and said that Raz will be 19 points ahead of the drop zone before, well, by match day 25. I don't think anyone will be thinking that. And it's a true testament to that club and the fact that they've really bounced back from what was a terrible year a couple of years ago and now back in league two, um and really showing them exactly why they should be belonging in this top tier and aren't just sitting back either. And another team that will be delighted to be getting back to winning Rays, really. They've recorded their first, uh, well, well, I think it's their well, seven points out of their last nine now for Monaco, really. Jez, after what has been a torrid time and must have seemed like a nightmare for the Cubs and for Jardim, really, although he, they have been better since he has returned and they have been getting back for, to full fitness. But especially, I think especially we have to make a note for Gelson Martins, who was sort of maligned a little bit at Atletico Madrid. He never really quite got the, the reverence that many thought he would do after joining from sporting he's been a revelation really in the last couple of games for for monaco scoring assisting he, he was uh, sort of had a great assist for the for the goals against toulouse and was good against gangomp as well that yeah. had great moments for them and obviously scored at the weekend as well um he's mentioned that maybe that extra dimension of pace that he would bring would add some but I don't think we quite imagined that he would be sort of the catalyst for what has been their turnaround. No, I, I think I mentioned previously, I, I, I hadn't seen much of him before. And um, when I looked up some, some of his highlights, for want of a better word, I didn't look at the, the sporting highlights. I only looked at the, the Atletico ones. And frankly, there weren't many. I thought he looked pretty average at best. Um, and considering that, the highlights are, you know, the, the, these YouTube clips are meant to sort of cherry pick the best bits. Um, I was, I was a bit concerned and was wondering what they were doing, um, signing him, but he's really hit the ground running. And obviously it remains to be seen whether, whether he can do that for the, for the long term. I remember, um, I think even Cavalero started quite well when he joined for, first joined Monaco as well. Um, to, to, to take one example of, of someone that, that where it didn't really work out, but you know he's he's certainly doing enough to to help them or lift them out of the out of the relegation zone. And yeah, he is he is very different to the well certainly the football that we've seen from the, this year, which has been ponderous. And ponderous is it's one thing if you're the the PSG of, of a couple of years ago, where it's ponderous possession. But it was uh, with this Monaco team when. Mm-hmm. They didn't have possession, and then when they did have it, they weren't doing anything with it. It was slow and predictable. It was, it was really concerning. He's certainly given them a completely different angle to to, to what they'd shown for the rest of this to the sort of the rest of the season up till now, and and really given other players uh, something to think about. And you know, possibly the fact that players are distracted by him is giving Golovan a little bit more space, is giving Falcao a little bit more service, and with with Lopez looking. More and more back to back to full fitness. Um, yeah, Monaco are going to be fine. I mean, again against Mont, they they still weren't entirely convincing. Um, Martin Martin's goal it was a good finish, but it was a it was a catalogue of a catalogue of defensive errors from Nantes. Um, to be fair, to 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 get him to to that point to be able to finish, and then I don't think Monaco showed too much after that. Um, it's just that non, I think, are uh, you know, emotionally drained and, and frankly, sort of personnel-wise, a little bit drained as well. They're, they're really, I know they they be calm in midweek, but um, they 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 really don't look a great team at the moment. But a win's a win, and as you said, seven points out of nine. Um, it's been a very good start for for Jardim, despite the distasteful way that he's come back in. 
Yeah, it feels weird to say it's a nice start for Jardine McGill, isn't it? <laughs> it seems seems almost backwards and, uh, and counterintuitive almost. But uh, yeah, I feel for Nantes as well. Like you say, it, I know um, uh, Vadid Halisovic said it, um, but after the game against Khan in midweek that they desperately needed that. They needed something that would maybe allow them the moment to sort of cast their minds away from obviously the the, the terrible situation with, with Emiliano Salah and I know of his funeral this week as well may have been on their minds as well really with with that in Argentina I'm, I'm sure some of them had their minds elsewhere and no one will blame them but that looking at it now at the table really that that win at con was really important really that that separated them five points from monaco and, and that still gives them that good cushion with with amion and dijon and con still not picking up really points and gang obviously rooted to the bottom they they're not really being dragged into anything now which is probably the positive for them but for monaco it's it's a great positive really that they've managed to string up a couple of results now heading into what will be a a much tougher test of um Jodim's prowess, shall we say, and his powers of manipulation over the last couple of weeks and whether they can get a result against Leon now they're fit again, especially Leon maybe, if you think that they play down to quote-unquote lesser opponents, although Monaco obviously aren't talent-wise on paper like that. When you look at the results this season, they would see that as something of a, a should-be win, and that tends to trip up Leon. when you also think that they would have played Barcelona in midweek in what will be a very taxing game for a lot of their players. It's a great chance for them to pick up a win. And then you look at the run of Angers, Bordeaux, and you think that at that point they could be completely out of it. And we had mentioned this several times, James, didn't we? That that it only needed a little bit of a run from Monaco because of how poor those four teams have been that are currently below them, and them not taking their own opportunities when they come up. That, that it would only take a, a little run for Monaco to completely get out there. And you also think that, well, one, do you think that that barrier of twenty-seven points where Toulouse are, if Monaco can reach that in the next couple of games? I, I think they they don't have to worry, and then um, I don't think they can really look upwards. But it, it, it's always felt like that they would have those moments, and they've had some shaky bits. And I, I do want to mention that obviously this week wasn't just on the pitch that was important for for Monaco. They've they've um, agreed to to sort of dismiss uh, Valisilev, who was part of the the sort of change of the club really of bringing in a lot more play, young players and. Uh, had a lot of praise for that because he, he transformed Monaco around completely from what they were before us. So they were league dirt before he came in and did the, the right things for, for a long time. But he sort of eventually paid the price for what has been a pretty dreadful summer. Do you think that was the right thing to do? Um, it's hard to say. I guess time will tell. and There's no doubt that he had a bit of a nightmare in the summer, but you know, five podiums in a row, depending on who you want to give the credit to. But he and he and Jardim did form, did seem to form very close knit um, unit. That you know, it was a bit like Wenger and Dean. It just seemed to work very well. They kind of understood each other. They had similar views, and five podiums in a row, winning that that title that. No, no one's got the right to win a title against this PSG club. The club that, that PSG are at the moment compared to the rest of Liga, and um, it seems harsh to to get rid of him um, for one misstep after all the, all the great things he's done for Monaco, um, and you know, again putting it crassly that the money he's been able to bring into them for them as well, even though apparently he got ten percent of all profits, so he's done right for himself as well. Um, so, yeah, again, I, I'm not sure Rivalov Lev is entirely covering himself in, in glory by, by, by making this move. It, it doesn't really seem right to me. But, um, yeah, depending on how things go in the future, he may be proved right. You never know, maybe in, in three months' time, he'll be bringing Vasilev back as well. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise you at the moment. But it's, it's, it's the funny thing about the entirety of this episode, I mean, they were praised for a long time for how many young players they brought through and the chances they gave them and the, the production they did. And then there's always been the criticism 
after this summer, sort of in the in the middle of the season, where everyone's saying, "Oh, they needed to bring in more experience. They didn't do enough in that in the transfer window." I, I think they maybe got their wires crossed of of why they were successful, and that the, the fact that um, the the transfer between the the players, yes, they lost a lot of players very quickly. But what we have to remember is the players that they did bring in in their initial steps when they were bringing in young players, as they were integrated slowly and a lot of the players while young players had had a season or so under their belt i mean you look back at them they're only two really that didn't have that much experience massive experience of liga before then was mbappe and bakayoko because of injury more than anything if you look at the rest of them uh, benjamin mundy we, we played plenty of games for for marseille bernardo silva and fabinho were both um regulars for the season and a half before then it, the, you look at the the experience they did bring in in Camel Glick that did help them push them over the line and having someone like Jao Moutinho there who had been there for a long while at, at the club and Daniel Sebasic just helped them never and, and like you say the, the fact in the summer they they brought in so many young players they'd forgotten that they'd lost so many young players that had experience as well it was that interesting mix that helped them get to a better team and if they would have if they would have done what they have done sort of in in January, I suppose, where they've brought in someone like, for example, Gelson Martins, who does have useful European experience that a lot of these young players don't have. I mean, a lot of the young players that they brought in are are players that haven't even had a game professionally. Never mind. Um, I mean, I mean, you're looking at the two that they brought in from the two young lads they brought in from Wren. You're looking at um, like the signings of William Goebbels. You would think that someone like um, Golovin would be someone that you would bring in and, and make an instant impact, but you have to attribute to that. And then they bring in like John Lewis Alulu, who's only really had a season in Liga and really with Strasbourg. They, they maybe needed a little bit more of that experience and, and, and looked at the past of how they got that success through young players. And that was through integrating them slowly. And I think that's maybe how they'll move forward. They'll, they'll make sure they make the right experience signings now, but also maybe bringing two, three young players, allow them to go in the team. And then you don't have to make those big signings in January, much like they did in the, the season they, they won the league. But uh, unfortunately, it's maybe going to be a bit too late now. At least they uh, they can sort of focus their efforts back on the on the summer. But uh, that's almost about all we have time for this evening. Uh, but we're going to go on to um, our league and snapshots before we finish. And I'll start with yourself. Jez, what's your league and snapshot? Um if it's all right, I just want to mention a couple. One actually is cheating, it's not Liga. So the Liga one is um, Mbappe, uh, brilliant goal at the weekend. Mm. Was, I think it's his 19th goal in 18 Liga matches this season. It's the best record at this stage of the season for a French player in 45 years. Um, you know, it's it was the goal came down, came from a, a uh, a mistake by Ruffier, poor clearance and, and a really slick move to, to give him the ball. But that finish is fantastic. And you just, you know, I think everyone's just running out of superlatives for him. And the sky really is the limit for him right now, I think. Um, and the other one was just to, to mention um, Lita and, and my team Mess, who scraped another win um, tonight to, to, to remain four points, no, three points clear at the top. Um, they're not playing brilliant football at the moment. Um, but part of the reason is that they're, they're, they're basically being coached by their assistant because um, Frederick Antonetti has, has taken a, a leave of absence to, to look after his wife, who, who by all accounts is, is, is very ill. Um, and uh, you see it in the sort of mess accounts before and after all their matches and everyone's thinking of Antonetti. I know he's, he can be a controversial character in French football, but I think most people respect his um, respect him as, as you know his, his his football coaching experience and also that, that deep down that he's, he's, a, he's a really good man and I think a lot of people feel for him. And he actually um, offered to resign um, to sort of officially resign and be able and give Mess the chance to be able to, to give the job officially to someone else. And I think the Mess president's done the right thing by by refusing to, to accept that resignation because um, we're all certainly hoping 
the mess is safe, but obviously more for, for the Antonetti family that his, his wife makes a recovery and that, that he's back on the bench as soon as possible. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A great gesture from the club to to keep the money going while he's in such difficult times, really. I, I've got two as well, but one on and one off the pitch. I think the on the pitch one we, we briefly mentioned last week because I know Adam um, wanted to highlight how um, Ange have sort of done classic Ange, especially under Stefan Moulin, that they've won three games in a row now and massive 3-0 win against Nice. I think that was more the exclamation mark because uh, they beat Dijon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 2-1 against Strasbourg is nothing to, to shake a stick at at the moment, but 3-0 against Nice after they were on a, a such a high and, and we sort of gave them a pass that Lille took them apart, but Angers were excellent at the weekend and Moulin again showing that Despite the tough times being tough before, then it, you know Angers were hovering between sort of fifteenth and and flirting with um, if other teams did start catching up, that they might be in danger. But I don't think there's any worry of that now after another excellent result and and Moulin again taking let's go out, out of the fire again. He does it every single year. I don't think there's a, a manager in French football that does it so expertly at the moment, really. It's been probably three, four years on the trot that Moulin has maybe suggested that Angers are going um, back to a sort of league deux or, or heading in that direction, at least. And he's pulled them back. And I, I wouldn't be surprised one day, and I mentioned it last season, I think I wouldn't be surprised if someone takes a bet on him at some point because he does keep, pulling off these magic tricks and it'd be nice to see how he could do maybe with a bit more budget flexibility and budget flexibility perfectly comes on to the final league snapshot and it is off the pitch and who else likes financial um, flexibility than Jose Mourinho um, who has <laughs> sort of said in French um, reports that he would like to try Liga sometime as he's making his rounds of trying to um, advocate for a new job but in football he is a French speaker, so it wouldn't be too much of a surprise. But uh, admittedly, and I think many of um, you listening at home would agree with these thoughts, there's not many clubs in, in Liga other than one that may be able to afford his skills. Maybe, maybe two, but I don't think the second one will be looking at him at the moment, really. And I don't think he would be eyeing them up either um, with his track record of, of youth players. But, uh, you know, there, there might be spots opening up at some point. You never really know, especially with the team's... Um, you know, you're looking at the teams like Toulouse that aren't doing great. You know, it's not a, it's a lovely place down there. You think Bordeaux aren't quite um, hitting the heights that they maybe should be. Maybe maybe a, a, a trip down south for him it might be quite nice for for him. Although the I don't know if the fans will quite flock to those stadiums as they sort of uh, I've been quite empty in the south for for a while. But uh, maybe if there's a spot there that might be a room. I know he was there's. He's obviously photographed speaking with uh, Christoph Galtier during the Lille game. He was at, he must have really enjoyed the nil-nil um, that he brought to witness. It was a, a perfect one for the Portuguese to be seeing over. But uh, it, be <laughs> probably Mo- the Montpellier team is his dream football right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's wa- he's waiting for a spot to open up under Zakarian's bench to learn from the matter, I think. But uh, no, it, 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 admittedly, he'd be completing the set, I suppose, wouldn't he, if he does come to Liga. But whether there'll be a team that matches his lofty ambition, shall we say, it remains to be seen, really. Maybe if Marseille had carried on struggling, maybe that seat, that that nice fiery seat with him and Balotelli, could you, it almost sounds like a soap opera, really, more than anything, if that was to come true at the Velodrome. And I don't think any Marseille fans would be happy with me saying that. But um, maybe watch this space. It, never say never in football, I always say. Uh, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Jez and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us again for the preview show on Thursday. We should be back at least. And the main show, We'll be back at the same place, same time next week. Abianto and goodbye.